You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today on the podcast, Michael Tulip, Alana Enquirer basketball analyst. We talk an hour plus of basketball, not just Illinois. We've talked all about Illinois, but we got plenty of Illini talking here. Uh, but Mike and I weigh in on the latest topics, including some Illini stuff. But then we dive more into the Big Ten. I asked Mike about the the front runners in the Big Ten, or at least projected front runners, which includes Illinois. I asked him about some of the teams that have really weird uh non-active off seasons and, and who had the worst off season. But then we talk about teams that could surprise as well. Uh, but then we dive into the NBA draft. So if you're a fan of the NBA draft or a fan of seeing where these big 10 guys go uh, in the NBA draft, we talk about who should go number one, uh, Jade Ivey, should he go higher than Keegan Murray or flip flop that? Uh, who does he like uh, later on in the draft? That could be a really good NBA player. We talk about the bulls, have a great conversation about the bulls and a potential big 10 player that they could take. And we also, to talk about the Illini and who the best NBA prospect is on the team, which is a fun question because there's a lot of guys that seemingly have some NBA potential, which hasn't been true enough for the past 10, 15 years uh, for the Illini. But Brad Underwood, with the talent he is accruing, is turning that around. So let's talk a bunch of hoops on today's podcast with Michael Tulip. That's coming up next. Welcome to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Always pumped to get our guy, Michael Tulip, former Illini, former right state guard, onto the podcast. And I, I want to do something different uh, with Mike today. But first of all, I think we got to give you uh, a, a welcome back to the Midwest. Is that right, Mike? With uh, moving to the Indianapolis area, which is uh, one of my favorite places to visit in the Big Ten is whenever the Big Ten tournament is there, man. No, I'm back, man. I'm back. Uh, it feels good to be around. Uh, it feels good to be able to pop over to Champaign and, and pop over to, uh, you know, to see my family, see my parents' family. It makes it a lot easier. Well, Mike, uh, let's hit on a few Illini things. Before we get a little more topical about the Big Ten, I want to get into the NBA draft with you as well, as we're just a, a week away uh, from the NBA draft. I just want to get some of your opinions on that. I might ask you as a Bulls fan what, what you think they could do this offseason. Uh, but let's start here. Ty Rogers, man, with Team USA, is a starter on a team that has a couple future top 10 picks on it, in my opinion, with Cam Whitmore and Khalil Ware. And you saw some other really good players, Armstrong, who's going to Villanova, too. Um, what'd you think of Ty Rogers, or just even just the thought of Ty Rogers starting playing a meaningful role on a team that just won a gold medal? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that jumps out is that guy like him starting on that team. And it's it's never going to be about counting numbers for with, with Ty Rogers. It's always going to be about you know the, the things that don't necessarily fill a stat sheet. Although he does fill a stat sheet as well, which is great. But um, you know the, the activity and and he he seems to always put his fingerprint on the game. So I, I think that's kind of the biggest thing you look at when you're even trying to extrapolate it to this year's Illinois team. It's I've said it, man. If you defend and if you're in the right position and you make the right plays, you put yourself in a really, really good position to steal minutes as a freshman. And I, and I even – I understand that the level of competition, you know, that, that, that wasn't Iowa in the middle of February, right? It was much more – there's a lower level of competition, but he did exactly 
what you'd like to see against that competition. And, and there's certain things where, you know, a guy can put up 25 against a team like that. And then there's just watching the game and seeing, okay, that's a basketball player, right? Like that's a dude. And, and, and he's a guy that in my opinion, it, you know, can put himself in a position over the next couple of years to, to be an NBA prospect. What do you think he needs to do to get to that level? For me, it's a shoot, right? Like everything else he does feels like a guy, you know, Cam Whitmore is the difference is he can shoot, right? Like, and, and he's just an, a great offensive player. I mean, the NBA, we can talk about fans being nervous now of Ty Rogers being a one and done. The NBA, you still got to shoot for the most part. Yeah, and I think there's certain measurables that he has and what he does defensively and his feel for the game. Uh, look at a guy like, I know he's a little bit taller, uh, but Jeremy Sohan for... Yeah for Baylor this year, right? He shot 29% from three, uh, you know, but, but six, eight mobile could, could kind of guard down low, could step out and, and guard on the perimeter as well. And, and then just the ball skills that I think Ty Rogers has, I think all of that is uh, when you, when you go through and you look at, Hey, when I'm on the floor and this goes for being at Illinois and, and beyond for his professional career is the list of what I can't do longer than the list of what I can do. And if that's the case, you're not going to see many minutes. So I think the more you can flip that and say, Hey, I'm giving you all the reasons why you can't take me off the floor. Uh, those types of things. It's just, you can move him around in different spots, watching him shoot, even just his free throws. It's not broken, yeah. right? You know, there's not just this, um, you know, mechanical issue or uh, you know, the, the way that he, brings the ball up the way he rotated rotates it um he's one of the guys that i think you know a lot of talk about sky and and and, and jay neps and uh geez i mean ty rogers is a guy that if you said hey he's gonna be the first one to make his way to the league i i would not be shocked sohan's a great example right 114th in the rankings going into his freshman year averages nine six and two uh, for Baylor did did shoot a, a decent amount of threes I think that's gonna be important for, for Ty at some point uh, just to show he can make some uh, all right Mike Jacob Grandison to Duke what do you think of the fit what do you think about this for uh for Grandy yeah I mean we've, we've seen this I think typically we think of Duke as just they're gonna go out and get the the upper echelon which they do in, in recruiting but they've always kind of filled gaps you saw Theo John this year they just they typically will will, will get up towards the top of those recruiting rankings and then the way that they fill those gaps, it's what makes them a really good program, yeah. right? They, you know, that year after year, they have all these guys that you wouldn't really think of as a Duke player. Because when you think of Duke, you think of Jason Tatum and you think of your most recently, you know, Luke Kennard, Paolo Bancaro. But they've always filled those teams with different guys that just make a lot of sense. And I, and I think you saw when Jacob Grannis went out for Illinois last year. But he's a connector. He's a, he's a, I hate using the phrase a glue guy because I think people yeah. beat that to death. But, uh, the, the connector aspect of he's a really good passer he's a really good shooter he's smart and, and those types of guys can play anywhere and they're valuable they're so much more valuable than some guys that maybe come out and have gaudy numbers to go into the portal so um, I would expect him to play and play a decent amount for Duke uh, because he's a guy that's low maintenance you don't have to feature him to get something out of him uh, I think we saw that for a couple of years at, at Illinois and it's what made him extremely valuable so um got to be happy for the kid i think he he's he's earned that type of opportunity for you know winning a couple championships with illinois and i think that's another thing too hey let's go get a championship guy we're we're duke we're the brotherhood uh let's go get some guys that have won so it's it's if you'd have told me that uh, two years ago that ryan young and yeah. jacob grandison would be teaming up at duke i'd i'd ask what what you're having you know i'd, I'd ask what what you're on 
I, I like it for Duke because the times they've struggled, it's been they don't have the veterans. They don't have just the, the solid guys. Or Kentucky uh, was that way for, for certain years. And I think that's the adjustment. And, and Shire seems to be making it on top of getting three of the top four prospects in the class of 2022. That's a pretty good thing for your program. Mike, before we dive into the rest of the Big Ten, I, I got to ask you, this is the time of year we talk to Brad Underwood. We hear all the offseason stuff. You know, whether it's Austin Hutcherson's the best athlete on the team or, you know, Omar Payne can shoot jumpers. Um, some of the stuff's silly, other stuff, you know, you, you hear about guys taking big steps forward and it translates into the season. So as a guy who's been through these workouts, who's been through the offseason hype train, like, what do you try to listen to when you hear these coaches talk about it? I've had moments, uh, you know, a guy that's my teammate in spring open gyms or spring workouts, like, man, this guy, this guy's going to be a guy next year. And, and the coaches see that too, and they really have no reason to, to think otherwise. Uh, it's just like we always talk about when, when minutes get allocated and shots get allocated and the lights come on, different guys react in different ways. Summer workouts and, and uh, summer practices and uh, open gyms are a lot different than, uh, you know, a Monday uh, up at Wisconsin, right. right? So, you know, I think they, they're just going off of what they can see and, and yeah, I'm sure Dane Danger, they get they got a dose of that when he was going up against Kofi last year. And I think they really like what they see. And, and he seems to be a guy that uh, is taking his nutrition seriously and shaving down some pounds. So all those things, you know, you, you don't want to read into it too much. Uh, but the coaches have to talk about something, right? right? And I think there's if there's certain standouts that are in workouts and, you know, you, you want to let that be known. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, there's certain things that will happen in the middle of the season where you say, oh, wow, we didn't expect this guy to come on like he did. Or you can have a guy that maybe you're expecting a lot of that isn't adjusting or, uh, you know, these freshmen, right? There's going to be the year you face the most adversity. So who deals with it the best is going to be who's probably on the floor the most. All right, Mike, we're going to split this up into two different segments. We got Big Ten. I want to focus on the Big Ten with you. I got four questions surrounding the Big Ten and, and what's coming back. And it's, it doesn't look like it's going to be that strong of a conference, at least at the top of it. Uh, but it should make for a pretty entertaining one because I think it's a, a league with a lot of parity this year, with a lot of question marks this year. Uh, but then I want to dive into the NBA draft. So we'll, we'll shoot all of that uh, at you here. But let's start in the Big Ten. And right now, Bart Torovic, one of the analytics sites, uh, has his projections, his rolling projections, as he updates the numbers all the time. He has Indiana and Illinois 12th and 13th in the country, respectively. Those are the top two teams in his projections in the conference. I think the next teams are around 25 to 30. Um, so he has them clearly on paper in his analytics as the top two teams. My question to you is, I think both those teams have question marks, right? If that's those are the Big Ten front runners, I think it's a weaker league, at least at the top. Which team, though, do you have more questions about, Indiana or Illinois? I think it's not even close. I have more questions about Illinois. And part of that's just the makeup of this team. You, they lost a lot, right? And and it's not and, and it's more having questions about the actual team itself and how they're going to mesh. That's more of my those those are where most of my questions lie. We know there's good players. Right? I don't have questions about Terrence Shannon. I don't have questions about Matthew Meyer or these guys that they've brought in. Like they're good players. How are you going to make it work? Now if you're Indiana, I have way less questions about you. But that doesn't mean that you can – that doesn't mean just because I have less questions mean that you go ahead and find a, the nearest net and cut it down. <laughs> I, I think for Indiana, you know what you're getting from TJD, right? The big questions are three things, right? Really four. 
what Xavier Johnson am I getting on a night-to-night basis? And and if it's a good one, then they're going to be in a really good position to finish in, you know, in that top four in the league. He's going to help propel that. Going off of Xavier, Xavier Johnson, how can he become a playmaker, an even better playmaker, to set up easier outside looks for Indiana? This is a team that, going back to 2017, was the last time they shot over 33.3% from three it's just and it's hard teams shrink the floor on you and and it's it's really hard to generate easy baskets that's why when you tune into an indiana game there's 30 seconds left and it's 58 56 uh you know they've done so well defensively to hold up and win games but you know the the third part of that is can you can you can you continue to defend the way you've defended over the years and then really the last part is the question marks that you may have are surrounded by these really highly touted freshmen with Hutch, Fino and, and, and Renew that are coming in that are, um, you know, I think as you look, if you want to bring Indiana up a level from a nine and 11 big 10 team that they were last year, it's okay. We have those same pieces and, you know, we're adding two potential, you know, game changers that, that are freshmen. So I, I, I don't necessarily understand the whole big 10 runs through Bloomington. I, I think that's, it kind of feels like it's just, you know, res- I guess resorting to a default of just, I know 91% of these guys or, or the, the scoring that they're bringing back, but it's 91% of nine and 11. So right. what can we get? What can we really get? And then, like I said, with, with Illinois, um, you know, less questions about the players, much more questions about how they make this fit. Uh, who, you know, who's going to step up where, who's going to lead. Those are really where the questions lie for me. I, th- I look at it this way. I think Indiana has the higher four, certainly, right? I mean, they're going to play defense. They're the number one defense in the Big Ten last year. Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, they got length on the perimeter. Um, and as you said, Xavier Johnson, man, he was a roller coaster ride last year. But when he is good, you know, he's one of the better guards returning in the Big Ten, which, again, says a lot about the Big Ten this year. But, like, they have a decently high four that they're going to make the tournament. Like, there's no doubt they're making the tournament. But I do have the issue of, they're the no doubt top 10 team in, a, in the in the in the league or in the in the country because we saw this team last year and they had a good week or two right and they just got blown out in the NCAA tournament by 30 points um, I think Illinois has the higher ceiling once we get to tournament time I, I just think they can play in so many different ways I think Indiana is gonna have to plot out games Unless they just have Tamar Bates turn into a great three-point shooter this year, Miller Cop all of a sudden goes back to shooting 40% from three. You got to be able to make threes and you got to be able to play make. And I just have huge questions about whether this team can shoot well enough. Uh, but I do know they'll play defense, especially under Mike Woodson. Mike Woodson's a really good defensive coach. Uh, Illinois, I think, is going to go through a lot more swings, ups and downs. But I think at times this year, there's going to be some people look at Illinois and say, that's a dark horse Final Four team with the way they play. Because they might blow out some team no one expects them to by 20 points. But then I think they're going to have like a game they shouldn't lose, like to Minnesota or something like that. And people are going to be like, man, this team can lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So um, I think Illinois is as deep and as talented as any team. But as you said, Mike, who's their number one guy? I know TJD is the number one guy. And is that good enough to win a Big Ten? I don't know. Because I wish he was the number two on the team, but he is the the you know him and Hunter Dickinson and Zach Eater the best players returning. Uh, I'd feel more comfortable with Hunter as my number one guy, uh, especially offensively. But like Illinois, I 
all these guys have been threes or fours or have not played at the college level before. So I, I think both have huge questions. But if, if I'm gambling on who goes farther in the tournament, I'd probably go Illinois. If I'm gambling who's more likely to win 13, 14 Big Ten games, it might be Indiana. But I just got to know if they shoot. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to be able to shoot. Yeah, and it's interesting, too. I think any time as somebody that graduated from Illinois, covers a little bit of Illinois – it's like anything anytime you say something about Indiana like I'm not I'm not I'm saying this you know apart from Illinois I I, I can make a comment on Indiana without me saying like if I say Indiana if I don't think they they're going to win the league that's not me saying that I think it's going to be Illinois right I just think you know when you look historically because this you, Jeremy you and I were texting that one night and I was like I need to put down everything I'm doing and go and see who the last team that finished below 500 in the Big Ten to turn around and win the Big Ten was if you didn't see the tweet that I put out a couple weeks ago, 1991. It's been over 30 years since the team's done that. So it's not just, oh, I, you know, Illinois, I'm, you know, I'm Illinois and this is Indiana. Yeah. It's historic, like history is not on their side for this. Ironically, it was Indiana, like I mentioned, uh, but Calvert Chaney, you know, they had, they had a, a pretty good crop of NBA guys in that team as well. Uh, so, Here's, here's what we're doing, Mike, because the teams we're going to talk about here in a second, because they didn't make the moves necessary this offseason, we have to find a Big Ten favorite. And I don't think Illinois or Indiana should be Big Ten favorites in any year, given the question marks we're talking about. Yeah. But they've had the best offseasons. Indiana's returning a lot. They have one of the best players in the country. Um, they have young talent coming in. Illinois had an unbelievable roster reset. But these teams shouldn't be. They should be the teams we're talking about as like dark horses to win the Big Ten. Or, hey, look out for Indiana or Illinois. Don't, don't pick Michigan, Michigan State quite yet. But those other teams didn't do enough. Well, I think it's, it's a product of how much star power was in the league last year. Yeah. Look, I mean, look at all the guys you, le- you lose. You lose uh, Kofi Coburn and Johnny Davis and Jaden Ivey and EJ Liddell. And you lose all these guys. So the second you lose those guys – you just basically take all those other teams, you take those same teams out of your mind because of the guys they lost. And we've seen, you know, Io leaves, right? And Illinois still, you know, ends up winning a, a regular season share. I understand Kofi came back, so it's a little bit different. But we'll get into these other teams. And the point that I want to make now, I'll save <laughs> uh, for these teams that we're about to talk about. Yeah, because we didn't even mention, like, oh, the Caleb Houston, Houston Diabate. Like, if one of those guys comes back, I'm probably touting Michigan right now. But uh, those guys didn't come back all right let's talk about this michigan state purdue michigan i feel like all these teams mike were one addition or one player returning coming back of being my big 10 favorite um so they are next in the in the bart torvik projections uh, of being three through five in his projections right now I, i think all these teams have a chance uh to win the league but for you because maybe they're they're one player or two away which team do you think had the the most underwhelming or kind of disappointing offseason? I'll give you a, a phrase or a word for each of them. I'll take it a step. I'll take it a step right. further. Let's start with Michigan. I, I can't say Michigan had an underwhelming offseason, just because you send a few guys to the NBA. It's like, <laughs> if anything, that's a that's a feather in your cap. As much as it may, you know, stink for that next year. Uh, it's still if they could, if they both get drafted, that's another guy that's probably going up. Two guys that are going up in the Michigan practice facility somewhere. So with Michigan, I would phrase them as the, you know the biggest gut punch of the off season. And 
you lose Diabate, you lose Houston. And another question that we'll we'll talk about down the line, Frankie Collins would have been my surefire pick for a guy that was prime, you know, primed to to break out. He leaves, right? And and even Brandon Johns, who played a lot of really good minutes for that team, ends up ends up going to VCU. And look, I, I think if both if Diabate and Houston came back, for sure, if Frankie Collins was still there as well. But even if Diabate and Houston came back, I think that that would be my favorite. Yes, uh, that that team would be my favorite, just because I think question marks, assuming a, a sophomore step up from those two, which I, I would absolutely expect. And I actually really like, I really grew to like that pairing of Diabate and Dickinson. Uh, the way Dickinson was starting to step out, and I, I thought the the way they ran some of that high low stuff was. Uh, was potent, but and didn't you think Llewellyn, didn't think but, didn't you think Houston was in line to be like a lottery leap kind of guy? Like his length, his shooting yeah. ability. I just thought he kind of learned how to play college basketball last year. He's probably gonna be a back end of the first round or early second rounder anyway, so good for him. But I felt like that he and Christie were kind of guys who could have gone uh, a leap. But I liked what I saw to Houston uh, more than Christie most of the time. Yeah, and, and I think you you look at this Michigan team. You know what you're getting from Dickinson, just like you know what you're getting from TJD. Now it's just who else is going to what, – what type of Jalen Llewellyn are we going to get? He's not playing in the Ivy League anymore. Coming over, playing in the Big Ten, a little bit more physical, obviously. Um, and then who's that next guy to step up? I'm hearing a lot of Kobe Bufkin talk, but I'm not sure there's a ton of evidence. Could it happen? Sure. But I'm not sure there's a ton of evidence to suggest that he's going to take this monstrous leap uh, you know, as a guy that didn't shoot it particularly well last year, uh, can he take strides in that area? Will that make him a little bit more potent? Sure. But like I said, that's like counting 100%. on RJ Melendez to be your second or third leading scorer, right? Like exactly. when, when Illinois was in that area, it was like, it could be a rough year, right? Yeah, because you just it, don't it, know it, yet. Yeah. And I, it, look, Hunter's going to give you a chance to win a lot of games. Right. So, you know, you're going to be in a position there because he's, he's just going to command a certain amount of attention. He's going to get doubles. Uh, from night to night, and, and if you can surround that, you look, and you got Jet Jackson coming in too, um, you know, who, who's another really solid freshman. So uh, it's really interesting. Each of these, each of these teams. I'll move on to to Purdue here. Can I make one more point about? Oh Hunter? yeah, go ahead. I just want to make one more point about Hunter. Uh, yeah. I love him for the Big Ten. I, I love a good heel, and he plays it so so well. But he could be in for like a maybe not quite Garza stat season, but given the questions around him. That guy could average like twenty four and ten every night. Like, I, you know, Kofi put up huge numbers last year. Hunter could shoot threes. Like, I, I think he's going to be in such for a high usage. They need him to score that much with all these other question marks around him. I think he's got. He's my Big Ten Player of the Year favorite, not TJD. Yeah. And if Indiana wins the league and TJD's close to Hunter, maybe he wins. But Hunter would be Hunter's going to be my preseason pick for Player of the Year. It's, yeah, it would be it would be mine as well. Um... I think he his statistical ceiling is reached. How how often can he get to the line? Because that was Garza was a guy that just got fouled nonstop and drawed nonstop fouls. So uh, how you know how often he can get to the line will determine that statistical ceiling. But I wouldn't be yeah you're right. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him be a twenty twenty one and and you know ten eleven type of guy. Uh, pretty similar to, I guess, what what Kofi did this year. I know Kofi definitely had more of a physical advantage night yeah. in and night out, but Kofi didn't have an outside jumper. So if he can, I mean, even if Hunter Dickinson shoots between 33 and 37% from three, which would be really solid, that's yeah. that's going to, you know, 
get him into that next rung as well. Yeah, average 18-6 points per game, 8-6 rebounds. So, um, yeah, he was, he was pretty high last year. I think he takes another leap. All right, uh, so you use that. I thought that's a really fair way to say Michigan because, hey, their guys did take leaps, right? They're going to the pros. Um, the, the question is they just weren't able to end the transfers, yeah. Maybe one of them was due to academics, and Illinois gets the benefit of that. But they haven't been able to land land those guys yet. I would expect them to add one, whether it's Amani Bates, Joey Baker. We'll see who it is. Um, but Purdue and Michigan, or Purdue and Michigan State, how would you how would you describe those off season? Yeah, my word for Purdue's off season was just eh. <laughs> you know, it's just you know, I, I think you're in the running for Nigel Pack. You're in the running at, at some point for Tyrese Hunter as well. And, and quite frankly, if I'm being dead honest. Purdue is one of those guys, maybe not as much Nigel Pack, but if they get a guy like Tyrese Hunter or they get one of these big guards in the portal, they're right there too because yes. I think their front court's better than any front court in the Big Ten. I think people are really forgetting. I, everybody knows Edie's coming back, but Gillis is back. First is back. You know, they 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 have these really solid front court pieces. And the next the next guy that I'll mention is the guy that redshirted last year that they were really high on. Um, Trey Kaufman Wren is a guy that was was sitting out and in. You know, if you need some front court guys, Purdue's got you. But can they just, pull a trade? Can, can they yeah, they're, can they they're trade question. Ethan Morton for some backup point guard somewhere? Yeah, and a future <laughs> a future three star to be to be named later. Um, yeah, I just think you look at this team and the amount of offense that you lose between Travion Williams and Jaden Ivey, Sasha Stefanovic, Eric Hunter, uh, Isaiah Thompson. It's just it's a lot uh, that you're losing. And, and, and I look and it's just, who is going to be the point guard for this team? Like, is it Braden Smith? Is it, are you going to just hand the ball to Fletcher lawyer and be I like, think hey, so. I think yeah, so. I think that's going to, I, and, and if, if that's the case, if there's anything that's going to prevent Purdue from being uh, a big 10 champion or being in the top three, top four in the big 10, it's going to be the guard play. So, you know, I, I, I look at those guys and, Man, you expect first to take another step. I really, really like Mason Gillis. I think he's probably one of the more underrated players in the entire league. But, yeah, I think Painter just runs a certain system. They're going to throw it into Edie. Edie's going to have an advantage most nights. And um, But I really want to see how they – it was really easy last year. They could just split right down the middle basically 20-20 with, with Williams and Edie. So – how they divvy up those front court minutes is going to be interesting. They certainly have the bodies to do it. I don't want to look too much into it. Jaden Ivey's going to be a top five pick. Um, and, and he did that while, you know, developing at Purdue. I think Painter's one of the best coaches in the country uh, in development. Uh, but the style of play did it turn off some teams because Jaden Ivey wasn't the initiator of that offense most of the time when I thought he should have been in the Big Ten Player of the Year, but he wasn't because he just didn't have a lot of usage. All right, how about Michigan State, man? This might be the most perplexing of all of these off-seasons. There's your underwhelming. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's Michigan State. I think, you know, they, they simply didn't have enough last year and really could have patched up some holes and addressed some needs in the portal, particularly in, on the interior. You lose Marble and you lose Bingham. And then on the wing, you lose Gabe Brown. So – plenty of guys in the portal to go to go get you know it, it didn't even have to be this crazy impact type of guy Bingham Bingham's a good player long altered a lot of shots there's guys like that out there uh Marble had an impact as well there's guys like that out there and I don't I don't know if it's a stubbornness 
or, or just a, a refusal to just, I don't want to say get with the times, but we've heard through press conferences and, and little news clippings. I'm not sure how big of a fan of NIL and the portal itself uh, it, Tom Izzo is. Right. Now I say that, but this is a guy that's won a hell of a lot in this league. So I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but at the same time, this is going to be a test run, right? You have all these teams that are trying to load up with through the portal and through NIL and you're Michigan state. You have one of the better brands in, in all of college basketball. And I don't know if that's kind of losing its luster a little bit. And, and it's maybe not as heavily sought after as a place as it maybe was in the 2000s to 2000, early 2010s. But look, you're, you're not that far away removed from a final four in 2019. And I think he, you know, him being relatively sedentary in the portal and in, uh, you know, with, with NIL makes me think that he at least feels good about who he has coming back. You know, you have Malik Hall, you have Hauser, you have, um, you know, you have Tyson Walker, you have AJ Hogger, and uh, that's not a bad core. Jay Nakins uh, could be really good. Yeah. Jay Nakins can take that next step. So, you know, you, you have guys that uh, that's what I, that's, that's the assumption that I want to make, not just Izzo's throwing in the towel. It's he must like what he has. And sometimes less is more, uh, you know, when, when you're trying to go win a league, right? I mean, how many of us had Wisconsin winning it last year? I know that they they're not going to have a Johnny Davis, but you can you can win this league in more than one way. So uh, remains to be seen, but geez, really really perplexing when you when you look at what they could have done in the portal. And, and really, the only guy that I saw them even going after or targeting was Micah Parrish, who was twelve a game in Oakland, and he ended up going to San Diego State. So yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. They must they must think they're in a good position to try to win a title. Which Mike, I, I like the foundation of that like I like their seven guys that that I think they have um I don't know if they have a, a guy can it be Akins can Hogard shoot I, I like a lot of things Hogard does he's tough Malik Hall I don't know if he'll ever be a star but he's a really good player I want on my team Hauser's skilled it just felt like g- give me one more piece uh whether it's a guy to replace Gabe Brown or another big to pair with Sissoko and Jackson Kohler the freshman they're really high on Trey Howman is a really good prospect as a point guard it, it just felt like this was the team that was screaming one more guy and and Jeremy will pick you to be the Big Ten favorite like if they had one really good wing coming in like if they had a Terrence Shannon level guy coming in I would probably pick them to, to win the league because I really like their depth. And in this league, without you know the elite talent, we think, uh, I would have liked this team. Uh, I do want to give Tom Izzo the benefit of the doubt. That's starting to wear when you hear kind of you know how he's talking about three open scholarships and nobody wants yep. to compete. Um, listen, I think guys are just trying to look out for themselves, looking for the best spot, and you just got to adapt to it. I think Brad has done that. I'm not going to make everybody happy, but I have to adapt and adding talent and that I'm not probably going to have guys here four years. That's not going to happen. So I have to adapt and be okay with that. Then I might not have as many Draymond greens in my life as I'd had before. And he's got to be okay with that. And it just seems like with all these six seventh place finishes that are kind of accruing, um, the more that happens, the more I wonder how, how many years does Tom Izzo have left? And is it good for Michigan state? But I still think this team is going to be good. I just think it had a potential to be great. Agreed. And, and I think the other, the other point that I'll make as well is 
and and I guess I don't want to say in Tom Izzo's defense because everything you just said about the way that he's handled this is spot on. It's true. But if there's if there was any if there was any year to stay put, it's probably this year because of how open the league is. So yeah. if he was going to do this last year with the amount of star power that was in this league, and you know if, if 2020, 2021 or twenty one twenty two was this upcoming year, it would be probably even be even more perplexing. But um, on your side though, as well, he did finish seventh last year. He finished eighth year before. He won three straight Big Ten titles before that. So we. I hate doing that, but like I'd be concerned yeah. if I'm a Michigan State fan. I'd be angry because I felt like I could have a great team and not a good team. But it's also Tom Izzo, so yeah. And, and look, you make a good point because although we can get wrapped up in some recency bias at times, the press clippings and what he said is is what he said. Mm-hmm. So if like if it was just a couple middle of the pack finishes and he hasn't been saying anything about NIL and he hasn't been saying anything about uh, the transfer portal, then maybe you just chalk it up to, hey, you know, he's got it figured out. It's Tom Izzo. But coupling those, those, you know, those press clippings and and him being relatively, uh, you know, a statue in the in the portal and negligent NIL, is is yeah. negligent away because it just that's how I would kind of describe it because it just feels like, man, this was the makings of a, a potentially great team. But I just think it's gonna be good. It's yeah. and and I th- they're a team that's going to be you know competing at the top of the Big Ten, but I, I just thought they could have been the front runner. All right, Mike, the next five teams in Bart Torvik's rankings: Iowa, Maryland, Rutgers, Ohio State, Wisconsin. I think all five of these teams have a chance to exceed that, um, but somebody's not going to, right? Somebody's got to finish eighth, ninth, and tenth in the league. But which of those five teams would you buy as the team most likely to finish top four? next season it's the, yeah it's the first one you mentioned it's iowa and and the reason for it you lose a top five pick or what what is shaping up to be a, a top five pick depending on what the kings and the it's really what depending on what the kings do um but you return his brother who's probably going to be a first round pick next year and it, you get another year of patrick mccaffrey you get another year of tony perkins who in my mind i, I think is a guy that can be in position for you know, third team honorable mention. I, I think he's that type of athlete. I, I think he's he's that type of bulldog. Um, and look, I, I think Fran McCaffrey deserves a ton of credit. Yes, I, I think we have it in our mind that he just coaches and recruits a certain way, but we've seen him adapt year to year to how he's changed his scheme. It's it's very reminiscent of of how of how Brad Underwood's done. Two uh, years ago, I saw during the the COVID year. I saw him and Fran, because usually coaches don't come out before games, like Izzo will and sit by himself. Like most coaches just kind of sit in the locker room. At least Brad does. Those guys came out and talked for like 30 minutes. I was like, these guys are best friends. But the way they have approached this is very similar. Like I think they've adapted. I just think Brad's getting a higher level of talent. I say that and Keegan Murray is going to go top five. Chris Murray is going to go really high. He had the two-time Big Ten player of the year. But you know what I mean? I think across the roster, Brad is recruiting a little bit higher level of talent. But I think both of those guys have made similar adjustments to the era and style of play. That They look more like Big 12 teams. And, and you see what the Big 12 is doing in the NCAA tournament. And they've both developed, yeah. right? When you look at Underwood and McCaffrey, when Luka Garza came in, and really when Keegan Murray came in too, those weren't guys you just pointed at in their first couple games of their college career saying, oh yeah, no, that's a future pro. Maybe Keegan Murray just because he has the, the measurables and 
really good athlete and, and has that sweet stroke. But uh, man, I, I think the way they've really molded their system around their personnel, there's stubbornness in college basketball with coaches where it's, I've been running the system for 20, 25 years. This is how we're going to run it. Doesn't matter who we bring in, you know, get in where you fit in. And, and they've just done such a good job of adapting to that. And I think it's, it's a big reason why they haven't, you know, over the last few years, they just, they haven't bought them out. Like they just, they're continuing to bring in guys and, um, you know, up their level of play. And, and I think that, you know, you lose Bohannon and I know he, he threw in a lot of threes this year and, uh, really over the course of his career, but uh, he hurt you in some areas defensively. And now I think you can get an even steadier dose. Joe Toussaint's a big loss. Yeah. Um, if you wanted to script a portal fit, uh, Joe Toussaint to West Virginia was probably the probably my number one. Uh, but look, I, I, I trust a lot of it comes down to these coaches. You know, what do you lose and how do you deal with it? And the coaches that are really, really good are able to still find a way to compete. And that's 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 Fran. And I just love the way the roster fits. I think Tony Perkins could be in for a huge year. Sanford yep. and McCaffrey, both long shooters. Chris Murray, athletic, do everything guy. You know, Rabracha, he's okay, right? Um, serviceable. Be, yeah, right, he's okay. Like, that's the weak point of the starting five for me, but he's serviceable in this Big Ten. Uh, but they just have talent and, and they have pieces that fit and play a different style. And I think. Their style of play was so different than everybody last year that it really, really hurt uh, teams that couldn't keep up with them. All right, one more on the Big Ten. Uh, we saw so many sophomore breakouts. We're not going to see the level we saw last year with Murray, Ivy, and Davis. And I think everybody saw Ivy coming. I don't know, you know, Murray and and Davis to that level that they're lottery picks. But which players or players are you sold are going to go from role player to stars next season in the Big Ten? I don't think you're going to see as drastic of a leap as we saw last year from a few guys. Now I think there's guys that uh, particularly a few freshmen and, and a couple guys have spent a couple years in the league. And I'll go through a couple of them that I think can at least with higher usage or more opportunity can take that next step. I think the first guy I look at is Chucky Hepburn. Um, and, and the reason for it is just his frame and his proclivity to not shy away from the moment and he reminds me a lot, you know, not necessarily – I hate to, to bunch him in with, like, Jordan Taylor. And Who is a phenomenal player, by the way. Yeah. Jordan Taylor is so good. Yeah, some of these some of these really, really good Wisconsin guards, but he has that same type of build and toughness, and he's heady. And uh, I know he shot about 35% from three last year, but, you know, if he, if he makes another jump there and, and can turn into a little bit more of a playmaker, you know, this is a guy that can, that can be right there to be, to be all league as well, in, in my opinion. And then – you know, another guy that I think has a ton of potential. We just talked about Michigan State. Like, I think Malik Hall has so much potential. How good of an athlete he is. About two attempts from three a game last year, uh, 42%. You know, he it looks good. I know he missed a few free throws at, uh, you know, at Illinois to, to close out the game there. But I think the way that that team's constructed, again, more opportunity with a couple of those guys leaving. Uh, you know, I think A.J. Hoggard's a, a good enough playmaker. Tyson Walker is, you know, has his moments of, of being a solid playmaker uh, to be able to get him a little bit more involved because he, he's that guy. Michigan State's going to hit their ceiling. Malik Hall's the guy I'm looking at. It's like, hey, no, we, you were 8 a game, 8.9 a game last year. We're going to need you to be 11 or 12, yeah. right? We're going to need you to be 12 or 13. I think that's that may be best-case scenario. 
but I think he's capable of doing it. And then the, you know, the third guy that I'll mention, uh, just cause I, and this is, he's more than anybody. It's he's, his success is going to be predicated on what his guards do, but Cliff Amuri, uh, yeah, I just love his game. He knows exactly who he is. He wreaks havoc defensively. He rebounds at a high level, eight a game. I think he can even he can even bring that up a, a tad this year. And um, but he was what almost eleven, twelve, and eight um, last year. And uh, I think doesn't really get enough credit for for how good of a player he is. We always want to see just the um, you know the gaudy numbers and the crazy highlights. And he has a few of those with with the dunks and the blocks that he has. But he's just kind of workmanlike. He just he goes in, he, he does his job, and uh, he's a big reason why Rutgers has had some success over the last couple of years because he bothers these the Trace Jackson Davis, the the Kofi's, the the Hunter Dickinson. He bothers those guys. So you know he he's probably the third guy that I'm looking at. Uh, it may not be some crazy jump, but you may be looking at him as a guy that's like, yeah, you know, he could be a, a second, third all team or all league guy. Yeah, and we're talking uh, NBA draft here in a second. He's a guy that I think could find a role at the NBA for sure. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, Mike, let's talk about that NBA draft. We're about a week away uh, from the NBA draft as the finals wrap up here. And what a finals it's been with the Warriors and Celtics going back to back. But this is a fun year where we actually get to debate the number one pick in the draft. There's not a lot of years that it's this big of a debate. Uh, but I think all there's three candidates. Some people would even throw Jaden Ivey into that uh, picture, given the guard play is so important. But who would you take number one in the draft? Jabari Smith out of Auburn, Chet Holmgren out of Gonzaga, or Paolo Bancaro out of Duke? Yeah, it, I, I want to say it stinks having the fourth pick because <laughs> there's there's a clear top three, but I think there really is a clear clear top four, and I'll get into that in a second. But a lot of times when you're when you're drafting number one, right? I'm, I'm looking at the profile. A lot of these these teams that are making it to the finals, these teams that are having success in the playoffs it's big wings it's big wings that can shoot it and defend and that's Jabari Smith so if I if I had the number one pick and I was the Orlando Magic the thought process of you know my guards with Suggs and Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz I don't have to rely on Jabari Smith to handle the load the ball handling load because that's not where he excels right now you put him next to Franz Wagner and that's a hell of a wing duo that's a really really good wing duo and, you know, Mo Bamba's probably going to move on, so you're going to need to address some needs um, from, you know, from the big spot. I, I know if there's one thing I know the Orlando Magic love, it's long big. So I, I wouldn't even rule out them going after Chet. But I just think Jabari Smith, 
it, it's a safe pick. Uh, you, you certainly want to nail in it. If you're if you're more of a gambler, I'd say go for Chet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just love what he offers, what, what Jabari offers defensively and, and what he offers as a shooter. And, and a lot of times you look at one season, right? He shot almost, you know, 43 or 44% from three this year. Is it an aberration? Like, you know, is it is he really that type of shooter? And really all the the uh, historical data on him, even going back to high school, he's always been doing this. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think there's a lot of value there. And I think just pairing him with those guys, I, I think it's a pretty seamless fit. Listen, Chet did well for himself going to Gonzaga. And maybe he helped himself by not playing against SEC big guys every time. I, I wish I would have seen him at like a spot where he's the number one guy. Right, like, yeah. like Kevin Durant, everything ran through him, so you knew like how he could score at that level. Chet's a phenomenal shooter. Um, I I have a hard time passing on him, Mike, because I know he's going to be one of the best defenders in the NBA. He's going to impact defensively so much, and that reminds me of Evan Mobley, who I loved last year. Um, I probably would have taken him number two, but the only reason I would have taken Cade number one, or even can agree with Jalen Green, is. Who can I run offense through? That, I mean, that's the most important thing uh, in the NBA is you see once it comes playoff time, who can I run offense through? Who do other teams have a, have a hard time stopping? So if I'm Houston and I have Jalen Green, or if I were Detroit and I have Cade Cunningham, I might go more with a guy like Chet, who I know can be an elite compliment guy. But if I still need the go-to offensive, yeah, it's hard to pass on. A Jabari Smith and I, I like Paolo a lot yeah. um, is, is a guy who can get 20 a game in the NBA can he impact a lot of other things I think Jabari Smith can can still do a lot of uh, other things for me but I'd have a hard time passing on Chet just because I know during a regular season how much his defense is going to matter but come playoff time Mike like your number one guy you got to be able to run offense through him and while I think Chet can shoot all those things I don't know if he's proven yet whether he can be that that offensive focal point, even though I think it'll be really good. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And, and honestly, that second pick, whoever falls to OKC is going to be in a really good position with Josh Giddy and Shea Gildas-Alexander. Yeah. I look at Holmgren and Jabari Smith, particularly for those two spots. And, and th- those are guys that you're surrounded by that are going to elevate your level of play. Uh, Ch- and I think Chet may be in position to fall to, I say fall, Get, be the second pick <laughs> right. uh, to OKC. And, and look, I, I picture, you know, look at how how Robert Williams is is utilized. I get their, their different offensive talents, but the way that Ime Yudoka moves Williams around to let him be a roamer a little bit so that he's not the guy that's on ball having to block shots. It's just, hey, you know, camping outside of the lane until someone can drive and you're coming across from the weak side. I think that's the type of defensive profile that, that Chet can have. I think there's some there's – some, elements to where you can switch a little bit with him but I think the thing with Chet where if you're going to spend a first a first overall draft pick on him a lot of that comes down to like who is the kid and and everything that I've heard out of Gonzaga is that he just loves hoops man he loves hoops he loves to play he works his butt off and and obviously he's got that dog in him too right yeah he's skinny as hell the top two and I know you said you you know you wanted to see him as maybe the number one guy I it's funny when you you know, people pointing at his stats and saying, oh, but he only put up, you know, 13, 14 a game in, the, in you know, in the WCC. Yeah, but they're blown out Pepperdine by 50 and he's sitting for the last eight minutes. So I, I, I do think if he went somewhere else and if he went to 
you know, for example, like a, a blue blood that he'd still be, you know, he'd probably still have around the same type of numbers. Yeah. Uh, the, the only difference is, you know, for a guy like Chet, I don't think he's the type of guy that you can say, hey, do we really know he can do it against competition? He did his whole entire AAU circuit, his whole entire high school career. His high school team that his senior year went and played literally anybody in the country that was anybody. Yeah. And they, they're on ESPN like tw- twice a week. And he showed, I remember sitting, I, I don't know why, maybe it's I watch enough college and watch enough NBA. I rarely sit there and watch high school and say, wow, this guy blows me away. It's just like a weird, I, I don't know. It's like you see enough basketball to where it just looks a little bit lower level. Chet was the one guy I yelled down for my older brother. I said, hey, you got to get up here, man. Yeah. You got to watch this. I mean, he's yeah. 7-1. He's coming down. He's shooting hezzy threes. He's dunking on guys. He's blocking shots into the fourth row. There's You can work with that. There's a lot of talk about his frame, and he hunches a little bit. And it's just, I don't know. He's watching ball, can, man. Like, I, yeah. I get it. I get the question marks about him, but – there's some unicorns. There's some freaks out there. I worry about his body breaking down. Like that's what I'd be more concerned about his injuries. Yeah. Um, you know, cause you see, and he held Chris, up, he held up really well yeah. this year at Gonzaga too. Yeah. And so it's just I, the thing. Maybe our minds got to get over. Right. But like Chris Stapps, Ralph yeah. Sampson, some of these guys who are just freaks, you wonder if they can hold up. Then you got a guy like Giannis who's Iron Man, Right. So like, like yeah. And that, then you don't want, you know, you don't want Chet to turn it into this generational talent and you were sitting there at the number one pick. Exactly. And went with Jabari Smith. So that's that's where the dilemma comes in for the magic is Do I take Carl Anthony Towns or do I take this guy who could be one of the best players in the NBA? Like And the- I know it was a different time, but it's it, it's almost and I know this guy dominated his his one year of college basketball, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but Odin over Durant, like it, it's just it's one of those things, and, and I, I don't know how red-flagged Odin was for, for some of the physical stuff coming in, but, man, I'm, I'm sure that's one that the Blazers would would want to have back. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. This is this is going to be one of the more fun drafts over the years. I know I know last year uh, it was pretty clear-cut, you know, who was, who was going to go number one, and then even in 2020, you know, it felt like there was a kind of a clear top three between Edwards, Wiseman, and Ball. So, you know, I, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I think this, this draft has a lot of potential to e- even picks 10 through 18. You're going to sit there and say, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah this guy – or you're looking – because, I mean, you, you got to realize, too, it's not just about striking gold as a top three pick. You can strike gold in, in the late lottery. You can strike gold – I mean, look at all these guys. Look at Tyler Hero, Devin Booker. Um, Giannis was the 15th pick. There, there are plenty of guys. Bam Adebayo was was outside the top ten as well. You can strike gold. Uh, it's not just about those those top five picks. And this is a deep draft where you look at a Matherin, uh, you look at you know uh, Shaden Sharp, whatever the heck he is. I don't think anybody knows. Uh, Mark Williams, Dyson Daniels, Dyson Daniels, and, and all these guys. Man, it's 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 a uh, it's a really intriguing draft, and I think it's one that we're going to have a lot of fun with. Uh, five ten years from now looking back and saying oh wow this guy went here and projected to be this it's it's gonna be a blast i don't see the top three teams moving from their picks but i think it could be fun to see if there's some finagling to see who you know prefers who after that um so i want to ask you this keegan murray and uh, Jaden ivy kind of always projected in those four or five spots by most of these mockers so uh which big time prospect do you think will be the best player in the nba whether it's those two guys or a guy you think should be talked about more uh, it's not even close to me. It's Jaden Ivey. 
if you're the Kings, you cannot mess this up. Man. You can't mess this up. Now, I, as I say that, I would love, and when I say love, I mean I would love to see Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey in the backcourt together because Cade's a guy that can play off the ball. Jaden can play on and off the ball. He did both at Purdue. And look, with Jaden Ivey, I think the space, I think the ball screens, I think that is going to benefit him so much. I know the comp is, is John Morant, but the way Purdue, you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, the way Purdue runs their offense, it's off the ball movement, it's misdirection, it's feed the post. You saw the second half against Illinois when Painter for, you know, finally just said, screw it, ball screens with Jaden Ivey. And it's like, we are at this guy's mercy. Can't do anything. Uh, yeah. So, it, it, you know, it's going to be a lot of drop coverage in the NBA. Uh, he, he's got a solid float game. He can attack down the rim. He's a confrontational driver. Now he spends so much time on the floor. Scares the, it scares the hell out of me. It's the same thing as John Morant where, you know, they hit the ground like eight times a game. So he needs to shore that up because different from Ja, I think he's an even stronger. Uh, Ja's probably even a more vertical athlete um, than, yeah. than Jaden Ivey, which is, which is crazy saying a lot, <laughs> but you know, I, I still think Jaden's probably more powerful athlete. Yes. Um, so he, you know, he's got to be a little more, he's going to get himself hurt if he continues to, to, to fall down after every time that, that he drives. But look, I, the Pistons would be fun, man. And I've also heard some rumblings that the Knicks may want to make a move there. They, they, I think they want to go after Jaden as well. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see them trade up or, or maybe try to go up and, and snag that fourth pick from the Kings and um, add something to the package. So now I think Keegan Murray, I wouldn't be surprised to see Keegan Murray playing 27 minutes a game in the conference finals in the next seven years. He's just that type of guy where he can switch. He's interchangeable. He's a great athlete. He's a good defender. He can shoot it. He's not a he's not a net negative offensively. We know that. Um, you know, so there's a lot of intrigue there. Uh, but look, it, it's Jaden Ivey, yes. and if you're if you're one of these teams, if you're the Kings, I mentioned that if Keegan Murray takes the if Keegan Murray's taken by the Kings, he may, maybe he won't be playing in a conference finals <laughs> in the next seven years. But uh, they got they got to focus on making the playoffs first. Yeah, but. It, it's not close for me. Yeah, Keegan Murray to me is like a guy that I can see is like the third, fourth, fifth option on a really good team. Yeah. Uh, Jay Nivey, I think, could be a perennial all-star. One of the better yeah, scorers. He can, he's, the he's the guy, and that's the way I thought about it, right? When you yeah. pose the question, it's who has the best chance to be an all-star? Yeah. And it, as much as Keegan Murray may play 15 years in the league, you know, I, I, I could see him you know, being in a position where he's like a – uh, I guess like a, a step above and a better athlete than like a Robert Covington, yeah. right? Where like he can shoot from the outside uh, or maybe even like a Tobias Harris, maybe yeah. one, of, one of those. And that's, that's no slight. Tobias Harris is slated to make $41 million in two years. So, uh, you know, so if Keegan Murray ends up parlaying his way into that, uh, you know, then, then he'll be in good shape. But uh, there's, there's obviously a few other big 10 guys and we'll get into that. One of those, uh, one of those I'll talk about here shortly, but uh but yeah, Jaden Ivey, Jaden Ivey's the guy that I'd look at is I wouldn't be surprised to see him be an all-star in the next four to five years. Yeah, so I got my guy, but who's the prospect to go outside the lottery that you love? I got two. Uh, and I think if you're a Bulls fan looking at that 18th pick, and I don't know what they'll do. We'll get into that in the probably the next question. Uh, what they do with that 18th pick, do they draft? Do they, you know, do they flip it? I know Vooch is on expiring. Um, it, it's two guys for me, Jalen Williams. Uh, out of Santa Clara, I, I really, really like him. I, I think if you're the Bulls and you end up with the 18th pick and Jalen Williams is, is still available, 
Uh, this, this is 6'5 with a 7'3 wingspan. Uh, 39% from three this year. Uh, so, well, 6'5, 6'6. Uh, you know, rebounded pretty well for his size and uh, solid defender. Uh, graded out incredibly well, 92nd percentile on, on synergy offensively. And, uh, and, and he can still take another step defensively. I think when you look at Jay Nivey, I'll mention that too. That's, that's the next step for him. Yeah. Very similar to Io right io there were certain things it was falling asleep on back cuts it was uh standing straight up and resting because there's so much demanded of you um and expected of you offensively where you know i think jalen williams is a guy like you know go and go and watch some of his highlights or if you have a synergy account go watch him man he's impressive the way he he, he was really a point guard uh for santa clara and and was able to make a lot of things happen so um i think he's a guy i wouldn't be surprised to see his stock rise before uh before next thursday and uh my second guy this is going to be music to your ears, Jeremy. CJ Liddell. Yes. Uh, I've seen too much. Liddell. I've seen too much of him. Yeah. That's like, that's a perfect NBA forward. Like he is, I don't think he's ever going to be superstar, but like he just screams Taj Gibson to better, like a plus Taj Gibson potentially to me. And I, I love that. And and look at the way the NBA is moving. Yeah. Look at the way that, you know, these, these guys, you know, interchangeable. Look at the success that Xavier Tillman's had uh, being able to come in, you know, another big 10 guy that that's been able to come in and uh, carve out a role uh, for a really good playoff team this year. I could see EJ Liddell. And, and that's the thing when you, when you sit in that, you know, in, in that part of the draft where you're in that kind of 17 to 22 range, you can find yourself in your rookie year playing some, some heavy playoff minutes depending on the team that drafts you so ej liddell i think he took that next step as a rim protector uh that's not to say that you just want to roll him out there as a small ball five but i think there's certain there's certain you know there's certain uh lineups that maybe you can work through the season and see if it works i think he's capable of it. i think he moves his feet well enough now he didn't have crazy good defensive numbers in terms of isolation and ball screen stuff so i think that's another step that yeah. he needs to take but serviceable as a knockdown shooter as a catch and shoot guy uh, we've seen him kind of make a killing in the mid-range as well uh so i think there's going to be a team that that drafts him in that you know in that 17 to 24 range it's going to feel like hey mid-season next year they got a lot of value out of him. yeah i just i think he'd be perfect for a playoff team like if you're looking yeah. for a team or you're not going for the roll of the dice let's see if we can get a superstar we just Great kid, him. too. Yes, yes. I, I think he's got all the intangibles, um, and I think he's got all the skills you're looking for there. Um, let's go with this before we get to the Bulls. Next week, Kofi Coburn will be blank. Kofi Coburn, if, if he was in – you know, if I, if I was in a front office, I would have Kofi Coburn on a two-way contract next week. And the reason for it, you know, two ways, as much as you could say, hey, maybe I don't want to spend a two-way on a big um, – I think you just you got to at least see right yeah. with him and somebody one of the thirty teams should. <laughs> yeah, it's a low risk. You know, you're able to kind of audition him throughout the season, see if it works, while while still being able to develop him in the G League and have him getting starter minutes and starter reps, uh, and then just saying, hey, you know, we got a we got a, a five day road trip here. Let's call him up, see what you got here in the middle of December see what you got here in the middle of January. And it's, it's, you know, it's not like you're having to spend a second round pick on them. And I don't know, could he get drafted in the last couple picks? Maybe. But I also think if you're Kofi Coburn, 
go on. You know, instead of going maybe 55th, I don't know which two picks are 53 and 58, I think are maybe forfeited or I don't know what it is. But if you go 56 or wait for picks, don't get drafted and pick your destination for maybe a team that believes in you or, or believes it sees in you, hey, you know, you're a guy that maybe we want to put on a two-way and give some opportunity to, there's some value in that. Now, I don't know, easier said than done. If somebody told you you were going to hear your name on draft night and get drafted, maybe you just say, hey, screw it, draft me. Uh, and again, it's another draft pick for the University of Illinois yeah. as well. So that's another feather in, in their cap. But look, I think there's 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 too much there, too much production in college for you to not, you know, to, to at least not put them on a two-way and, and just kind of see what you can get. And I feel like at that level, we're talking about investment. He's probably worth it given his work ethic. Everything we hear is the work ethic is really, really good. Uh, wants to be great. Uh, I think, yeah. you know, the, the relationship with IO uh, certainly can help there. Um, you know, so I, I get the question marks about him as a player, but I also think he does things really well, right? <laughs> like we still got to, he's a physically dominant player who could rebound. And I get the the questions defensively, but he also can do some things defensively around the rim that, that can help you too. So, um, yeah, I, I think he'll be on a two-way contract as well. I don't know why. I feel like the Lakers. The Lakers need bodies. Let's go Let's go, Kofi to the Lakers. How about that? That's some weight. big markets that University of Illinois That's right. guys are heading to. We got Malcolm and Iowa in Chicago, and we got – I mean, if you want to count Kendrick in that too, you would have Kendrick and Kofi. That's right. In uh, in LA, so that'd be that'd be intriguing. But ball screen defense, ball screen, ball screen, ball screens. Yep. Kofi, how potent can you be? And, and this this goes back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast: is the list of reasons to take you off the floor longer than the list of reasons to keep you on the floor? How can you shave that down? How can you turn the tide there? And I think the 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 more he can do that, the more opportunities he'll find himself in wearing an NBA jersey. All right, Mike. This is the season of speculation and it's fun to talk, talk about trade rumors all that the bulls took a huge step forward to just being respectable right it was a yeah. fun season until probably february right um but they had the makings of a solid core that should make the playoffs uh, i'm a vooch fan given how hard he plays um you know obviously he's got limitations defensively he didn't shoot all that well from three but I, i'm a fan of his but he is on an expiring deal demar's got two years left on his deal and is in his 30s Zach Levine will be max. They'll keep him. He's going to stay with the Bulls. But what do you like? What do you do if you're Arturis Karnasovic? It's tough, man. I, I think sometimes you you fall for hey, just spend, 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 spend. Even if you go into the luxury tax, and, and I look at the Warriors' payroll this year. Right, the Warriors' payroll this year is about 180 million, but with the accelerators, they're paying close to probably 380, 400. But the difference between you know, spending to just find your way so far into the luxury tax to sell out to try to contend is that sometimes the teams that have done that are the ones that already know that they're contenders and they are keeping their core intact. And that's why they go into the luxury so far. You've, you, there's plenty of teams over the years, um, whether you want to just look at the Lakers this past year, the Nets, the Clippers, they spend so far into the luxury tax. And if you are not in the playoffs getting some sort of a return, because that's the thought process for Joe Lakeup with the Warriors, right? Joe Lakeup with the Warriors is saying, okay, yeah, I have a $380 million tax bill, but I know that if this team presently constructed can play 25 playoff games, 13 of which are at home, each one of those playoff games generating somewhere between 
eight to fifteen million dollars, then we can at least get some sort of return on it. You run such a big risk. Plus, plus you're just—I mean, this is made-up money, but the the value of your franchise. The longer you win, the more championships you win, just skyrocket. Exactly, and it, so it's an investment for a lot of these owners and the front office, the owners. If you look at the Bulls, man, I. You don't want to spend your way so far into luxury tax that you're, you know, that you're handcuffed. So I look, I think, you know, I, I think if you sign, all right, let's say you sign Levine for 30, at least $30 million. He's probably going to go more than that as present, as presently constructed right now, the bulls are about right at 100. The cap's going to be at 122 next year. You spend your way up to 135 with Levine. You're not done. You still have to fill in these different fringe pieces with, uh, I mean, whoever it is, uh, Derek Jones Jr., Matt Thomas, uh, you know, Troy Brown Jr., they're all, their deals are up too. So you still have to fill those holes and you're going to keep working your way in there. So I don't know. I, I think there's sign and trade potential with Zach Levine. Um, I think you can actually get a solid return on it. Who that is, like, you know, you look at how unhappy is Anthony Davis in, you know, with the Lakers. But then again, do you want to take his contract on when he's just, he's been made of glass, uh, you know, for his entire career? You don't want that to be a sunken cost as well. Uh, and then also, too, I mean, you just mentioned he hasn't picked up a basketball in two months. So I'm not sure, I'm not sure that's the most enticing thing in the world either. But you mentioned Vooch on an expiring. Um, there's a lot of Rudy Gobert talk. And my personal opinion is I don't want to stare at $46 million in 2526 with a guy that in some cases in the playoffs couldn't really have him on the floor against certain lineups. Like you, if you're spending $46 million on a guy, to me, if you want to work your way into actual contention, you're going to need to go and make a hell of a splash. You're going to need to flip Zach Levine and a couple other guys and some picks to go get like Damian Lillard out of Portland. Yeah. You're, like you're really, you're going to have to go make some sort of splash like that. But I think if you're this front office, you can't fall into just going head over heels for – or falling so far into the luxury tax that now you're maybe a first round exit. Now what do you, you're not getting any return on it. So can you be crafty enough to put together a roster, almost follow the template of like the Miami heat where it's like, Hey, you know, we may not win a title, but this is a conference finals type team. You know, we've, we've done enough work around the fringes to, to not handcuff ourselves. If you look at go bear, here's the other two options. I'd even explore outside of go bear. I'd go get DeAndre Ayton. That's it. That's the guy. Like it, go he's, get DeAndre Ayton. He, he's like, he's the guy because he's young. He's less he's he's less expensive. You can build around him, Lonzo Levine. Once Demar is gone, um, and I think he's an upgrade over Vooch, no doubt. And and a guy that in the playoffs, I don't have to take off the floor. Like I, Gobert intrigues me for my short term want to get better, and he would make them better unquestionably. But better to what end? For a second round loss like probably yeah. right like there's so a, so that, that's deandre ayton's a guy i can build a core around with him lonzo and levine there's yeah there's a ceiling with rudy gobert and and, and if rudy gobert if, if he is listening to this podcast i'm not sure how big of an alumni inquirer fan he is but if rudy if you're listening to this podcast i get it man that you, the the perimeter defense of the utah jazz in the playoffs was absolutely atrocious and put him in such a tough spot to where I honestly like I couldn't blame him. It was he was guarding like three different guys at, at, at times. So I think that the at least the Bulls defense, if you you know if you get Lonzo back healthy, uh, Caruso in those spots, and, and then also you know if Levine and DeRozan could be even just 
plus defenders. Io's um, a plus defender, right? Io's a plus defender. I, I think you can work your way around the fringes to build. We get title, you know, we get title in our head so much, but in your mind, you should just be thinking, playoff can, run. I get, can I get eight home playoff games? Yes. Can we at least make some sort of return uh, on the money that we're spending? Because if we're just going to go all in for a guy like Anthony Davis and he plays half a season and you're a you're in the play-in, then what are we doing? So, Mike, you make a great point. Us fans, understandably, I, I think it's all the legacy talk we do. We get so caught up in if our team's not winning a title, it doesn't matter. I would have loved to have rooted for Jimmy Butler in the last five, six years. Like, he doesn't have a title. Yeah. I, I would have loved as a fan to root for Jimmy Butler. I loved rooting for Joakim Noah and Derrick Rose. Like Those teams did not win a title. Mo, you know, Derrick, if he wouldn't have been healthy, I still don't know if they win a title if he's healthy. But I, those runs, those teams were so fun and entertaining, and that's part of this. Like it, That's part of the NBA is just to be fun and entertaining. Yes, at some point you want to win a title. That is the goal. Uh, you also just want to win games and be relevant and the Bulls being relevant for most of this year was a lot of fun I'd like that to go a little deeper uh, but I know until we get a Luka Doncic or a Ja Morant like it's going to be very hard it's very hard to do it with that when you especially when you look in the east and you got Giannis and what the Celtics have Joel Embiid what Miami's built but Miami is the model Miami Toronto they're they're, they're kind of the models of what the Bulls are trying to be which is relevant enough for long enough that you're respected and that one guy eventually wants to come play for you and you win a title. And, and, and some sort of identity, too. Yeah. I think that's that's the next step. You look at Miami, the Miami's identity is is that heat culture, right? And that's that's really hard to replicate. But look at the Raptors. The Raptors is just, hey, we're going to be freakishly long and we're going we're gonna to present some problems. So I think, I don't know. I mean, I think if you can take, and I don't, I'm not even sure the Raptors would do this, but I, I love the idea of getting even even better defensively i know they have good wing defenders but getting you know finding a guy that's that's that three and d guy that's very dependable like i look at a situation where if you you know kobe white behind maybe miles turner has been the the longest standing trade chip i think in the nba um but if you can package a way to go get like an og ananobi go get you know a 24 year old you know pretty reasonable contract you know i think he's going to be 17 to 19 million over the next couple of years you know who you're talking about right now it's pat williams like pat williams is the key to all of this yes <laughs> he really he really is and he uh, is. i i don't and think they're going to trade him i think they're going to see I, I don't what they think get. they are either but like the last point that i'll make about the bulls look at the two teams that are in the nba finals right now it's the warriors and the celtics steph curry clay thompson draymond green kavan looney I'm mentioning a lot of guys that were drafted by the Golden State Warriors. Let me flip to the other side, right? Robert Williams, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Grant Williams. Yeah, all the like these are homegrown guys. So as much as we want to scramble around and try to find a contender, do not take your eyes off the draft. If you like, you got that 18th pick and a couple good trade chips here. You know, on Vuton expiring. If you if you know of a if you think there's a guy in the top seven that you think can be a difference maker and help this team. Because you got to think the next couple of years, that's that's a cheap contract. Yep. So they, it's it's a it's a five million dollar contract, six million dollar contract for these guys that are going in the top ten. You can continue to build around the fringes that way. Whereas I'm not sure you move these parts around. You you, you move Vooch and Kobe White for another guy. Like I, I don't know. Like you pick a guy, and it's like I think Aiden. We mentioned Aiden. I think Aiden's Aiden would be the play here. Like if you're gonna say Vooch, Kobe White. 
I mean, is Booch Kobe White in the 18th pick? Is that too much? And, and, and do the, do the no. Suns say yes to that? The Suns' ownership might say yes to it, but I, 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 I don't think it helps the Suns. Um, I don't think it does. I don't think it does either, unless they they identify somebody in that 18 range that they say, okay, well, yeah. I think you'd have to give up Pat Williams for him, um, which yeah. I'd be fine with for for DeAndre Ayton most likely. But yeah, I, I think the way we look at this, I think a lot of Bulls fans will look at it like, okay, who can we put with Demar, right? Um, Zach Vooch or whoever Vooch may be out, but. Demar is awesome. It's awesome what he's turned into uh, here with the Bulls. I'm still looking at okay. These are the guys Vooch and Demar who helped the Bulls back to respectability. The core is Zach Levine, Lonzo Ball, Pat Williams, Io DeSumo, and whoever they take at 18. Like I can throw Caruso in there too. Um, that's the core, right? Like that. That's who you got to build around for that real championship window. Because I, I don't think a championship window is there with with DeRozan and Vooch. No, it's not, and it's 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 the classic. What got you there won't get you there. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think that's. But I think what you do realize too, which poor Demar, it's the same thing in Toronto. <laughs> right, exactly, and honestly, San Antonio too, to a degree. But uh, but I think I think when you look at this team and you look at this fan base, man, like this is this was a, a Chicago Bulls fan base that was just itching to have something to cheer about, and I think that in itself is a win. And if you're the if you're ownership, if you're the front office building off of that because you do have a product right you have a product that people want to go see which which cannot be said for some other nba organizations um and and how some of those fan bases react so man i I, i'll still i'll go back to it can we construct a team that can play eight ish home games good goal in the playoffs good goal like that's the goal get a return and just continue to reevaluate through the draft and look i i you know, look at how Jason Tatum ended up with the Celtics, right? There's all these picks. Build that draft capital. If you can – some teams are able to do both. The Celtics were able to do both. You know, when they traded away Garnett and Pierce and all these guys to the Nets uh, to get that haul back for draft picks, it wasn't until, you know, whatever that was, three, four years later where that turned into a Jason Tatum. So, um, I know I know DeRozan, Vucevic, and Levine aren't – Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and uh, you know, and, and whoever else they package in that trade. But look, you have an opportunity to be competitive. You know, maybe maybe you're a, a four, five, six, seven seed while also building draft capital to be able to to play with that. Because yep. the Celtics weren't getting a top three pick; they just weren't getting a top three pick unless unless they move some things around. And you know, it, it turned out to be Jason Tatum. And I know he's not having the best NBA Finals, but he's in the NBA Finals. He's pretty dang good. So, you know, J- Jalen Brown, same type of thing, right? That's another top three pick that, that you got just based off of moving around and having draft capital. Mike, I don't want to let you go, but this is going to be my last question for you because we're an hour. I, I took an hour of your time. Which player on the Illini right now is the best long-term NBA prospect? <laughs> it's, it's a, the fact that it's a hard question is a good thing. Right. Uh, I, I think the, the two that you look at are the two guys you just picked up in the portal, yep. to be honest. Uh, I, I'd, I'd probably take Terrence Shannon over over Matthew Meyer just because he, he's kind of a classic three and D guy. He, he's thirty eight percent three point shooter last year, and I think I think he can even eclipse that this year. Uh, I think he's that good of a shooter. I think he's uh, you know if he can stay healthy, he's gonna be able to show a lot of things. Being able to to, to switch and he held up well when he, even when he got switched into the post. And um, I think he can rebound at an even higher level and, and show some things in that area. But 
Matthew Meyer too is just a guy that you don't see a lot of guys with that type of skill set. Um, you know, that's why these Big 12 guys, you see them going to the NBA draft and, you know, playing in the NBA finals and playing in the NBA playoffs. Those are the type of guys you just picked up this year. Now, you know, what I think that next uh, group of guys that I think have NBA potential, uh, Ty Rogers is right there. Uh, what version of Sky Clark we're going to get? I don't, I, I really personally, like, I don't have crazy expectations for Sky Clark because I'm not sure that that's fair um, coming off of the ACL and, I think it's, you know, he'll ease into things and uh, kind of hit his stride. It may not be right in November, but uh, he's the type of guy, he works his butt off, he'll work his way in. And, um, you know, and then RJ Melendez is a guy that we've talked about before too, has the tools, uh, has the, has the length, has the athleticism. It's just that next step, right? Yeah. You know, do, do all these guys want to go do those hard things that can take them to that next level? Uh, I think I a guy, a, I think a guy but, with a, maybe as high of a ceiling as any in terms of draft pick is Coleman Hawkins. If, yeah, if it all if it all clicks up here and you know he brings it defensively and he can shoot thirty eight percent from three, that is a guy the NBA wants. Like if, if you can be a top notch role player, and I think he's got a great opportunity to do that. He doesn't have to be the guy to be the most valuable player on this team. Like the, he doesn't have to be the go to offensive player, but I think he can be as valuable as anybody on this team. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, and I think too, going going off of Coleman Hawkins, we always get infatuated with, you know, okay, I need to have this type of role, put up this type of numbers in order to be an NBA draft pick, or in order to fi- put myself in a position. Look, I've seen Coleman Hawkins on NBA draft boards, mm-hmm. and and it's based off of what he is doing, which is just. Hey, you're you're active. You're you're a plus defender for your size. You have length. The stroke looks good. You know that that itself. You don't have to put up gaudy numbers to fit that mold of the NBA because it works the opposite way too. You can put up gaudy numbers and still not be a good fit, and that's what's that's what Kofi Coburn's going through right now. Can, can I, I use this reference way too much, but he just reminds me physically so much and skill wise of this guy. DJ Wilson was the 17th pick of the 2017 NBA draft. He was fourth on his team in scoring at Michigan. He's fourth behind Derek Walton, Zach Irvin, Mo Wagner. Like mm-hmm. that—that's the kind of role I, I think he he can play. But DJ was a good shooter, broad energy, solid rebounder, and uh, you know impacted defensively. I, I think if Coleman buys into that man, I I think he could be as high on NBA draft boards as anybody next year. On, on the and, yeah, and I know it's a little bit different. This is a different type of position that I'm mentioning, but I always like to to I had to pull it up because I, you know, I always reference him when I'm talking about, hey, oh, we need to put up these type of numbers and do this. If you just fit the mold and you show that, hey, you, you can work your butt off, you're adaptable, you can find your place in that league. Garrett Temple, okay? Garrett Temple. Let me walk you through Garrett Temple's LSU stats. From, from 05 to 09, okay? Five a game, eight a game, six a game, seven a game. Career 37% shooter, career 27% three-point shooter. Playing in the NBA because he fits the mold, right? He was a two-time all-defensive all guy in the SEC. And I think if you're Coleman Hawkins too, he's the type of guy this year that I think can be in that all-defense type of category. There's that should no be his reason. number one goal. That should, that should be his, be his goal. goal. And, and if he can do that, he's, he's going he's gonna to up his stock uh, even more and, and put himself in a position potentially in 2023 to, uh, you know, to either hear his name called or, or even go and test the waters and get more feedback 
that's that's all on the table for Coleman Hawkins. It's just it's just whether or not he wants to apply that and believe that in himself because it's right there for him. Well, Michael, to it, man. This was fun. I thought it was going to be fun. We were talking about we're excited Blast, to do this. Uh, talking hoops for about an hour and a half with you from everything of Indiana versus Illinois to NBA draft prospects. We end with Garrett Temple references. I think that's a pretty good uh, basketball conversation. Can't thank you enough, man. And welcome back to the Midwest. Happy to be here, man. As always, you and I were texting yesterday. We said, oh, yeah, no, this is going to be a blast. And it was. It was. So I, I appreciate you for that, man. It's middle of June. Still a lot of hoops to talk about and even more in a couple months here when we, uh, you know, when this team starts playing some games. Yeah, exciting stuff to talk about, too, rather than hopeful uh, out of for oh, no reason, gosh. right? Like, that's the nice thing. Michael Tube, thanks, man. Take care, man. Great stuff from Michael Tulip. He is the goods. We appreciate him. You can follow him on Twitter at Latulip underscore Mike. Speaking of basketball, we got a ton of basketball content at the site and much more coming as Brad Underwood has chatted with us the last couple days. So read all of the latest on what he thinks of Matthew Meyer, the latest on Sky Clark, Ty Rogers, and just his team as they start off-season workouts together. And then, of course, another big weekend for Illinois football recruiting. They have their showcase camp, big man camp on Thursday, a seven-on-seven as well, and then five more official visitors coming to campus as they try to add more in the class of 2023. So check it all out at Illini Inquirer. Don't forget, you can always get access to VIP membership for just $1 for your first month, and now is a good time to do so because Illinois basketball is, is getting after it in recruiting. They've already gotten a couple guys in 2024, but they can now reach out uh, and talk to those guys even more so uh, with the contact date starting for them. And of course, they're starting their, or they're continuing their 2023 efforts as well. And, and Derek had a blurb up about that on one of their top targets uh, who's become a top target over the last couple months. So uh, now is a great time to sign up for VIP membership. Just $1 for your first month if you want to do that. Thank you as always for listening to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Give us a follow rating review wherever you get your podcast check us out on youtube hit the notifications bell uh, follow us gives us the thumbs up as well on those videos we appreciate all your support in all our different areas but everybody take care of each other have a great day we'll talk to you next time right here on the online inquire podcast The time has come for drag queens to save the world. world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. (laughs) Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.